Hey everybody, welcome to episode 80 of the 2QB Experience. My name is Greg Smith and I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at GregSauce. You can find my work over at 2QBs.com. And I got to talk to you about the 2QBs.com draft guide. It just was released earlier this month. This is the first show we've done since the draft guide came out. Uh, We are covering two quarterback and super flex leagues in depth in the guide. We have a bunch of awesome articles from great writers. Uh, We have a Mock draft, a 12-team Superflex mock draft with a bunch of heavy hitters from around the industry, including Matt Harmon, Scott Pianowski, Anthony Amico, Sigmund Bloom, Pat Thorman, Renee Miller, Mike Tagliere, James Simpson, Jen Ryan, J.J. Zacharyson, and Josh Hermsmeyer. That's only the tip of the iceberg. One of the other things that we have in the guide are equity scores from this episode's guest, Denny Carter, at CDCarter13 on Twitter, of living the stream fame, draft day consultants and four four dot com. Denny, welcome, man. It's great to have you on. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me on. And, and you know, uh, for everybody out there, uh, Greg and I go back to the good old fake football days, um, mm-hmm. where we both wrote for the fake football dot com. I think as far back as twenty eleven. Twenty eleven, yeah. I um I did a writing contest at Razball while Chet was still writing for them. Yeah. And I didn't win the contest. I, I did well in like one of the rounds of it, and uh, Chet remembered, and he invited me to write for them once he started up the fake football. And here we are, man. It's how, mu- how many years later? I don't even want to think about it. But Seven. Yeah, crazy. That's unreal to me. I, I Yeah, I, I've never been more excited than, than when uh, I got that fake football um, gig writing the uh, uh, streaming defense column. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I wrote Waiver Wire the first couple of years, and then they eventually let me do some other stuff like rankings and uh, the game flobotic stuff that I'm still doing at 2QBs today. So, yeah, yeah. shout out to, to Chet Gresham and to Jeff Brubach. Those guys are awesome. Yes, yes, they are. They they, they started a lot of uh, a lot of fantasy writers' uh, careers uh, in the in the industry. Oh, most definitely. Um, but, yeah, Danny, you helped us out with the guy. You gave us some equity scores for a couple mm-hmm. quarterbacks, and... I, I mean, I'm kind of wondering where you find the time to do all this fantasy nonsense while simultaneously owning all the libs. Is it as simple as just being awake 12 hours earlier than West Coasters like me? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm talking to you. What it's uh, for for you? It's still May, right? Uh, so, <laughs> no, it's it's um, it's it's always my my pleasure to do all the all the fantasy stuff this time of year. I mean, really, August. Yeah, I know we're in July, but August is is for me the best time of the fantasy season. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> to me. And no, I I love I love the preseason stuff. So um <clears throat> I uh but yeah, um this year I did something a little different uh with the equity scores. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, tell us about it. Um you've you're you're they used to be on the fake football, correct? That's right. For for a long time since 2014, uh uh, I put the uh, fantasy equity scores on the fake football, but uh, that's uh, not around anymore. So I packaged them all together for all the positions, and I put them in one little tidy report. That's uh, 25 pages. It's a PDF, um, and uh, I made them available at uh, DraftDayConsultants.com, and um, uh, people, uh, you know, seem to enjoy them. So I'm I'm happy to write them. 
Yeah, they're great. And I'll put a link in the show notes for anybody who wants to check those out. I, I highly recommend them. Um, but for people who may be still on the fence, Danny, do you want to explain kind of what an equity score is? Sure. Uh, I will read from the, the short intro I have uh, in the uh, in this year's report. Um, Should I put some like uh, masterpiece theater, like classical music over this when I edit the when I edit the show? I, I think that that makes uh, perfect sense. OK, please, so, please, uh, please orate us immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I started making fantasy equity scores in 2014 using Rotoviz Sim scores as a baseline for creating median and high projections for fantasy relevant players. The Rotoviz Sim score app is designed to see what which play. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what record what, scratch? What, uh, yeah. Oh, How did I get here? Uh, what similar players did after they had a season that was comparable to the subject player, uh, meaning the machine doesn't really know if a player has switched teams or changed roles in an offense. It draws from similar players' production and offers a range of outcomes based on those numbers. I then adjust, project, adjust projections based on conservative and best-case scenarios. Uh, this involves total touches, touchdown rate, yards per throw or catch, and a range of other measurements that are subject to regression. So, in short, I'm looking for um, a reasonable range of outcomes for, for 147 fantasy-relevant players uh, that include... Um, the, the, their median projection, which is like on the conservative side, um, and then their high projection, which would be, you know, if a, if a guy's coming into this year, uh, from last season, last season they posted a, 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 a career low touchdown rate, say, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so that's due for regression. You know, I, I adjust that up, I adjust a couple other things, and I see where, where, where that would put them. Uh, in the overall picture. So, um, like for instance, um, uh, the, if we look at wide receivers, um, just to gi- I'll give one away here. Uh, this, this don't, don't ever say I didn't give anything <laughs> for free folks. Uh, so Michael Thomas, who's going as the wide receiver five right now, um, his median equity score would put him at wide receiver eight for this season. Uh, whereas his high equity score would put him at wide receiver three for the season. Uh, so that's that's kind of what, what we're looking at here. So it seems like a pretty fair price, you'd say, for Michael Thomas to be going as a wide receiver five, right? Kind of splitting the difference between that median and his ceiling? That's right. And and, and that and that's, you know, the main objective of of this exercise is to see if a guy is is really mispriced. You know, um, uh, if he if he's uh, priced at a point where his uh, his floor looks scary or you know whether his ceiling is really just capped at 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 that adp um so i think it 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 really centers on um the it centers the equity scores center on uh probability uh but also uh valuation uh more more so than the player it's how the player is being valued by fantasy football owners yeah price is super important in in drafts so, you know adp is one of those tools that we all have to use um to give a little bit more context of like the applications of this stuff can you tell us like uh, an equity score success story from last season like somebody who I the can. equity score is really tabbed as as a a good value or maybe a, a total stay away and and you know you were proven correct 
Yeah, so um, the two two quarterbacks, uh, if we stick with quarterbacks, just for the theme of this uh, fine pod. Um, Appreciate that. Uh, so Blake Bortles uh, last year was going off the board at wide. I'm sorry, not wide receiver at quarterback twenty. In this is in one one QB leagues. Sure. <clears throat> and his medium. Uh, right, we don't acknowledge at, those, but please continue. Anyway, <laughs> I'm I'm still in the dark ages. Um, so Blake Bortles had a, a median equity score that put him at QB 16 and he had a high score that put him at, um, QB nine. And so if you, um, look at where he landed for uh, last season, he, it was, uh, QB 11 was, um, was his, was his finish. So, um, you know, it was right, it was right there close to his high high-end prospects um another another one that jumped out was uh matthew stafford who went off the board last season as qb 14 uh his median equity score was qb 10 and his high equity score was qb 8 uh he actually finished um as the qb 8 there you go so uh yeah And, and so that 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 worked out now uh, maybe you're getting to this, but all the equity scores don't, they, they don't always look so good right. <laughs> after, you know, it's, it's again, probability and, and, uh, we're going to, we're going to miss sometimes. Um, uh, I, um, I don't think I was the only one to miss on Eli Manning, but the equity scores last year really, really liked, uh, Eli Manning. They had him, uh, with a, with a, uh, high equity score of QB 11. And we all know, how that turned out. I think he, uh, I'm looking for it now. He, he finishes QB 22. So not, not great, Bob. As no, say. but I mean, you can kind of explain that to some extent with Beckham getting hurt. And I, I'm wondering what you think about him this season. I mean, his price is going to be a lot lower in 2018. Is he a guy who you might go back to the well with? Cause I mean, I was one of the people who was down on Manning last season. I think he's pretty much washed up at this point. Uh, he's just, had a long enough career to, you know, when that age cliff hits, you know, our old, my old co-host Josh Lake used to say, you know, it, it hits fast and it hits out of nowhere. Um, it's not often that these guys bounce back after they've kind of fallen off that cliff. Do you think Manning has some, you know, positive outlook this season? What, what do you expect from him? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you hit it on the head when you said, when you mentioned uh, Odell Beckham. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, his uh, Eli's splits with and without him, uh, at last check, uh, were, uh, pretty telling. So, um, you know, I think if you can plug in OBJ for for 16 games, then Eli becomes something of a value, especially, I mean, he becomes a, like a, a, a deep streamer probably in, in one QB leagues. But I think for, for super flex and two QB purposes, uh, you know, he's, he's going as one of the last, uh, starting quarterbacks off the board, right? Uh, I mean, yep, he's a QB three for sure. Like he's definitely being drafted as a backup, basically across the board. Yeah, and, and that's uh, I think that that could be a luxury if he has the benefit of uh, Beckham in the lineup and uh, perhaps a um, you know it's some sort of running threat that can keep teams honest and keep that offense from uh uh from you know you know, keep keep it balanced in some way which is always beneficial for the quarterback mm-hmm. and their offensive line is going to be better this year too um 
just in general, Denny, how has your kind of process of analyzing the results of your equity scores changed, you know, since you started in 2014? Because I imagine, you know, some stuff has started to stick out uh, maybe a little bit more, like it's easier to identify the potential yeah. flops, the potential successes. Um, how has that developed for you? Yeah, uh, well, one thing I've done is um, I've, I've this starting last year, I've stopped, I stopped making big assumptions for the high equity scores. Uh, I think I got caught up a little bit in um, 2016 on um, making uh, making two uh, two big adjustments on on guys touchdown rates and opportunity. You know, if we're talking about running backs, say, um, and 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 that that produced uh, ranges that were. I think too wide and because, because a range that's so wide is not really instructive. It's not really helpful, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and by the way, for some guys that's unavoidable just because of, uh, like a wide receivers boom bust nature, you know, if, if they, if they have, you know, very high, um, uh, yards per catch, uh, numbers and, um, uh, very volatile, uh, touchdown scoring throughout their career, then you are going to get a wide range of, of outcomes there. But it seemed like everybody was not everybody, but it seemed like too many players were getting that sort of range. And so I scaled back a little bit on the, on the high end. So how about the players who just haven't been around as long? How does that work for these scores? Like a player who's only been in the league for one year where you don't have quite as much data, are they a little bit harder to evaluate as well? They are, they are. And, and rookie rookies, especially, mm-hmm. um, it takes it takes a lot more legwork uh, to create a range for a rookie or or a guy headed into his second year, um, and and I'm not and and I I, I believe I've, I've mentioned this in maybe in last year's articles. I'm I'm never super confident in um, in those in those range of outcomes for guys like that. Uh, you know. I'm much more confident in a guy even in his third year or fourth year. Uh, but that, that almost goes without saying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious to hear what you would say about, uh, you know, some of the, you know, the outlier performances from last year at quarterback, namely, you know, Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to make you spoil that. People got to go pick up the equity scores to find out what you think about those guys. Instead, I'm going to ask you a question about horror movies because I know you're a big horror movie buff. <laughs> yeah. And you know, a lot of these, you know, movies have turned into, you know, super long franchises, sometimes too long. Um, yeah. So I'm curious, what horror movie franchise do you think has the largest gap between their median movie <laughs> and their ceiling movie? Yeah, I, I love this question. Uh, so thank you for asking it. Uh, you know, I, I have to say that probably the Halloween franchise is the answer here because um, it start, it's, it, you know, Halloween 1 and to a lesser extent 2 uh take themselves so seriously like <laughs> like especially one is like a you know in a lot of circles is considered like a seminal important horror movie you know like in in or in just not horror movie important movie in the history of of american cinema right and then you get to like four and five and six and it's just a parody of itself you know and and so you know the the good is good, but holy, you know, <laughs> Lido, the the bad is bad. It's it's uh, uh, that that I have to say that franchise because see, like for other slasher uh, series, 
franchises, they didn't start out taking themselves themselves so super seriously. So it's a little different. Yeah, I mean, but that's that shift definitely still happens, and, and I think you see this in most franchises, or especially ones that have like many many sequels, like. I, I'm not a horror movie expert by any means, but I've seen like just kind of random ones here. I remember seeing Jason X, like where they didn't oh. even bother oh. to call it uh, Friday the Thirteenth anymore, you know. Yeah. And that movie, like they go into space. He's like whipping people around in sleeping bags and bashing them against trees in like a virtual reality simulation. It's, but it's it's totally tongue in cheek. It's it's a joke of mm-hmm. itself, and yeah, you definitely see that kind of across the board, don't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Can I tell you? Uh, um... A, uh, a nerdy uh, inside secret about Jason X? Please. Okay. So um, when the Halloween people were fielding scripts for uh, for the sixth installment in the Halloween series, which, fe- which by the way, stars Paul Rudd. Oh, perfect. Um, like a, a very young, uh, incredibly handsome Paul Rudd. Um, they One of the scripts that they took seriously and they almost accepted was – <laughs> the CIA uh, blasting Michael Myers into space because they don't know what to do with them. Like he's just like a menace to society. So he, they actually blast him into space. And, but the, the producers were like, no, this is ridiculous. Get this out of here. But Jason, the Jason people came Friday, 13 people came and scooped <laughs> it up and said, launch Jason into space. Hell yeah. Let's do that. Perfect. And so, you know, some years later, I guess there was probably seven or eight years between those two. So seven years later, you know, they're they're launching Jason into space like they were going to Michael. Uh, they were going to do to Michael Myers. It's very funny. Yeah, I wonder how the Halloween people feel about that. Maybe they, you know, missed missed an opportunity or something like one one more box office pull. Who knows? I mean, they yeah, get all, right. they can always make a different a different one, right? Like shoot them underground. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Well, they have a new one coming out in October. Oh yeah, do you know the premise behind that one? I do, I do. It's a it's a sequel, believe it or not, it's a sequel to part one. Okay, so they're cramming it in between a couple movies. It, well, in this, so now in this universe, uh, only part one and the one coming in in October uh, are in this universe, are in this uh, Halloween universe. Retcon, the good old retcon. Love that. Um, yep. So now that we're kind of talking about some ridiculous stuff, I do want to transition to a couple questions that we got from Twitter. And the first yeah. aren't, aren't the first couple aren't too ridiculous, but I'm going to throw uh, my own ridiculous one at you a little bit later. Um, the first one comes from at Sporcaccione. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to guess that that's how you pronounce it. And he asks, "What's your stance on giving value to tight ends? Is the answer premium scoring, like in SFB, you know, Scott Fishbowl?" Or is it having two tight end starters per team or a mix of both? Like, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that, I mean, do you even think that tight ends need to have more value? No, I don't. I, I, I you know, I think you see a lot of people saying we should get rid of defense and kicker. Uh, I, I say we get rid of tight end <laughs> because tight end is, is, is total misery um, uh, predicting that sort of production. I mean, you're, 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 you're looking for a touchdown. From your tight end, that's what you're looking for. If you don't get one, it's probably not going to be a good day. If you do get one, it's a decent day, and and you've done okay. Um, but if you're dead set on making tight end super important, then I guess you can mix them up, mix up both of those um, strategies. But I would say starting two tight ends. That just sounds uh, even worse. Sounds twice as hellish. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, but it, but if you if you really want 
to make people pay attention to the position, then I think that that's what you do. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, I For me, when it comes to these types of questions, I always like to liken it to other sorts of games. Like, some space on the Monopoly board has to be Baltic Avenue or, or Baltic Road or whatever it's called. Like, there have to be some positions that aren't quite as appealing. And you can twist the scoring settings, you can twist the roster construction. That still doesn't change the fact that certain positions are going to be worth more than others. Mm -hmm. So I think it's okay for tight ends to be worth less than running backs, wide receivers, and maybe quarterbacks. I think it's okay for kickers and defense to be worth less and to be more unpredictable. It's all part of the game. And I, I, I appreciate you know people who maybe just like the tight end position. They want to root for tight ends and draft tight ends highly. I, I guess that's that's for some people. It's not for me. Um, I, I, if anything, would say, yeah, just change the scoring settings. Don't add a second one because if you add a second one, at that point you're just you're doubling your misery at the position of like that tight end bingo. You're asked that or touchdown bingo aspect you kind of brought up. I don't really want to have anything to do with that, but. Um, I don't know. I, I ultimately don't think it's that important. I wouldn't worry that much about it, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I, I don't I don't get the the obsession in some corners of the fantasy world uh, to make all positions perfectly equal um, by, you know, uh, devaluing wide receiver so that running back is as important or, um, you know, tweaking roster construction so that. You know, so 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 that you have to draft like it's you know 2003 all over again, <laughs> um, with with a bunch of running backs up up front, and um, I I don't get that, um, uh, and, and I think I I totally agree with you. It's it's okay to have these posi- some positions be less important than others. The next question comes from at Justin underscore Redwords. Justin Edwards, I think he might have also written at the Fake Football, if I'm not mistaken. Um, at least at the fake baseball, uh, he asks if you absolutely had to hashtag own the Bills, nice play on owning the libs, I suppose, mm-hmm. and draft the Buffalo quarterback. Would it be Josh Allen, Nathan Peterman, or AJ McCarron? What do you think? I guess I guess it would just it would be Allen. I I, I mean I don't have I I don't see how taking Peterman would be <laughs> would 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 be, unless you're in like some incredibly deep two QB league, um, maybe you take Peterman. But I don't know what to think of McCarron. Who who would you take? Yeah, I think it's Allen. I mean, you you invest in the draft capital. You take the guy who is likely to start the most games because you know fantasy football is all about opportunity, even at the quarterback position. And Allen is the guy that they traded up to draft. Even if he's bad, if he's under center, he's going to have some amount of value. Um, if Peterman and, and McCarron are riding the bench, I, I don't see it. Now, I agree with you. You know, like a 16-team super flex or something crazy like that, it's not a bad idea to kind of speculate on Nathan Peterman or McCarron like you would like a handcuff running back type, like your Matt Breedas or whoever, um, just on the chance that they do kind of luck into the starting role with the Bills. Because, again, a starter has value. But, yeah, I think if you're in a, a typical league, 10 or 12 team, just go after the guy you think is going to start the most games. And I think all signs that we have point to Allen being that guy. He's a warm body who's going to be dropping back a lot. You know, like, just pick him up if you can. Mm-hmm. And we've actually had a couple articles up at 2QBs uh, this week um, about Josh Allen, how he fits in the Bills' offense with uh, offensive coordinator Brian Dable or DeBole. And Derek Klassen makes a an interesting case, not not to say that Allen is going to be good, but that perhaps based upon his athleticism and his size that we might see him used more as a rusher, which, uh, you know, 
Oh yeah. As as you know, Lord Reeves has taught us the Konami code matters in fantasy. So uh, you know, if he if he does become a guy who rushes a fair amount, there might be some value in that. Uh, and if you play in you know a weird format like Scott Fishbowl, uh, where you're getting a half point per rushing first down or something like that, then he, he could you know be a little bit better than say someone like Josh Rosen who's playing behind a crappy offensive line and doesn't have any rushing upside. Who knows? Um, yeah. Last question, and this is something I, I kind of pulled from mm-hmm. uh, a podcast I was listening to on the way home from work. I thought this would be interesting to talk about. Uh, it was Chuck Klosterman on the Bill Simmons podcast, and um, I, I, I love Klosterman. I, I'm a big fan. And he, he brought up an interesting question. Like they talk, They've talked a few times about which basketball player, if you had, you know, five copies of them and you were playing five of one player versus five of another, like which basketball player would you want? Klosterman kind of twisted that and said, if you were making an an NFL team with one single player from NFL history playing all 11 positions on both sides of the ball, you know, playing two ways, who would you choose? And I'm curious what you think about that. If you had to pick one player from, you know, the entire history of football, who would you want playing every position for your team? Wow, that is a loaded question. Um, so I've, I've had more time to think about this, so I'll yeah, start. Now, yeah. to me, the first thing I think about is I, I know I want somebody with size. Like, I want to be able to block up front. I want to be able to, to run the ball. But yeah. I also want somebody who's fast, right? I want some athleticism. And preferably, I want somebody who can, in theory, at least you know catch the ball or run the ball. And so the first two guys that came to mind for me were Cam Newton, just because, you know, for a quarterback, mm-hmm. he's a very yeah. large human being, and Rob Gronkowski. Now, the the risk with Gronkowski is that, you know, if you have 11 Rob Gronkowskis, you know, six of them might get hurt, you know, in any given game. So, I, I don't know. What, what do you think? I mean, I think it, when they discussed it, they threw out some, like, running back guys, but I just don't know if they would be able to get enough push up front um, right. or be able to block effectively. Like, I want somebody a little bit bigger than that, I think. You know who, who immediately came to mind and who's probably a terrible choice? Uh, Mike Vick. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, what Mike like in his prime, there was no one more impressive on a football field than Mike sure. Vick. And so, you know, just thinking offensively, that would be pretty cool. Um, uh, he was, however, very small. So uh, I don't know how that's going to work up front. Uh, or any other way, so maybe not Vic. I, I I I think you're on the right track with Cam Newton. Yeah, I think he's probably my my answer. Gronk is interesting and kind of a fun answer because he's I don't know because he has that catchability, and I could see him being really good on defense if like you know if you were to coach up a Rob Gronkowski to play linebacker or to play safety, like that would be pretty crazy. But um, yeah, I think I think Newton's probably the best one because we know he can throw too. Yeah, maybe Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, I like it. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's move on. I want to talk to you about a recent article you wrote at uh, SI.com, Sports Illustrated, and it's kind of about the evolution of quarterback ADP. And this is, again, specific to one QB leagues, but, you know, you had a, real, a lot of really good takeaways, including the fact that, you know, if you're going to draft one, you might as well just wait as long as possible. Basically treat quarterback like kicker and defense in a one QB league. But I'm wondering what lessons do you think we can apply from you know your study on this ADP evolution to our two quarterback drafts because there are there is some crossover here like we can still wait at the position I think but we can't wait forever when we have to start two. Yeah. How do you think we can apply this stuff in in two QB? Yeah. Uh, well, the 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 main way I think is is uh, what I pointed out in the in the article is that 
top one and two quarterbacks have emerged in recent seasons from round five, round six, round seven in in one QB league. So I guess you would have to bump that up uh, a little bit in two QB leagues. So you're probably looking at rounds like four through six where, you know, you could get like one of the top scoring quarterbacks in that range um, while, while, while others might, you know, spend – uh, one or or two of their first three picks on the on the, you know the the Aaron Rodgers the Brady's the Breezes whatever uh, so I, I think that that opens up opportunity for those willing to um, to to wait a little bit um, I also think that just the uh, the general understanding that quarterback production is very replaceable very much replaceable. Uh, some, that's an understanding I don't think that collectively we had five or six seasons ago, uh, and I think that 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 has changed dramatically the way we think of the position. Now I understand that there's a premium in the, in a superflex or, or or two QB league, um, but it doesn't change the fact that uh, that you can replace uh, a lot of that production, you know, by by being very vigilant on the waiver wire or. Um, by stashing a couple, um, you know, a couple backups who 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 may have an opportunity later in the season. Yeah, for me, it's not necessarily about fully replacing one any like one individual player. Like, no, not many quarterbacks can replace Aaron Rodgers. Right, right. But the point is that there are tiers of of you know elite quarterbacks, middle of the road quarterbacks, and bad quarterbacks, and there's replacement within those tiers. Like, I think we can both agree that Aaron Rodgers is kind of the the tier by himself QB one, but Mm -hmm. for QB two, you don't have to be the guy who drafts Russell Wilson or Tom Brady second, because you can wait to draft the QB four or the QB five and get, Mm -hmm. you know, Andrew Luck or Drew Brees. Or if you think Carson Wentz or Deshaun Watson will repeat last season's efficiency, like you can go after those guys. The, The point is that you never have to be the first guy to draft somebody from any given tier. And that is, true at any point in your draft pretty much with the quarterback position at, at the high end and especially in the middle like in that four to six range you were talking about I, I refer to it as the quarterback middle class and it's big like the difference between Ben Roethlisberger and Patrick Mahomes or even Blake Bortles like isn't that huge like these guys are relatively close in value from a week-to-week standpoint like at the end of the year yes some guys are going to elevate themselves higher than others but in any given week, you know, Blake Bortles could easily outscore Ben Roethlisberger as well as Aaron Rodgers. Like, we see this year after year. And why do you think it's taken people so long to kind of wrap their heads around this? Is it just because quarterbacks are so prominent in football? I do. I, I think, you know, not to oversimplify things, but, you know, quarterback is the ultimate important position really in all of sports. Mm-hmm. And and so when you think when when people think of a position in that way then they it changes the way that they would value it in a from a fantasy uh a standpoint um and, and and i also think that the 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 mindset of a fantasy owner who treats who who acts like he he or she is an actual general manager in the NFL sure building a team rather than playing a game uh, <laughs> rather than a than a gamer uh who's who's um you know, trying to maximize points uh, in a uh, in a game within a game. Uh, I think that that also that sort of mindset has um, faded 
at least a little bit over the years. How, do, how does your view on drafting quarterbacks change in one quarterback best ball formats, you know, like the ones you have at draft or MFL 10s, mm-hmm. where, one, you still have to draft multiple quarterbacks, and two, ceiling is, is suddenly more important than floor? Because a lot of the reason why we like to wait on quarterback in seasonal leagues is because every quarterback has a pretty well-established floor from week to week. But when you're trying to have those big outlier performances in best ball, how does that shift your viewpoint on drafting QBs? Um, not not a ton. Um, I in in best ball, especially this this season, I I'm trying not to get too cute with quarterback, uh, where I find myself uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel after only drafting one or two quarterbacks. Uh, so and and I just think that there's no no real reason to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of floors, you know, I, I, I don't know, uh, maybe I'm off base here, but, uh, among say, if I want three quarterbacks on a best ball team, um, among, among those guys, I don't mind having just a super safe floor guy among them, uh, to sort of steady, steady the ship, uh, if, and when the more, the more volatile guys, uh, go haywire. Uh, oh. so that's. That's how I look at it. Definitely. I, I like doing that in seasonal leagues, too, to be honest. Like, I like having, you know, some predictable guys and some guys who might blow up in any given week. Um, just mm-hmm. the same way I approach wide receiver, the same, not necessarily the same way I approach running back. I think running back is the one position where it's kind of different. You you really do just want that continuous opportunity. Um, and, and occasionally you can try to plug in, like, maybe a satellite back who's going to be a real big beneficiary of game script, but... Um, for the most part, at running back, I want that consistency. But at wide receiver, at quarterback, I don't mind, you know, yeah, playing one guy who has the floor and one guy who has the ceiling and hoping that, you know, together they they might you yeah. know, do something great. Especially because the, the secret of quarterback is even the guys who are floor guys will still have big weeks. Like we've seen Trevor Simeon be the overall QB1 in multiple weeks. I think he did it last <laughs> season once, maybe twice the year before. Like this stuff happens. And in best ball, like – yeah, I mean, who cares? Like, uh, you're gonna get it when it happens. Yeah, that that's that's a great example. God, I can't believe that happened, Simeon. <laughs> well, I mean, it goes the other way too, right? Um, you know, the infamous, uh, who was it <laughs> on Living the Stream? Your your guy's famous uh, week oh, three. Oh, it's Foles. 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 Week three. Was it week three yeah. or week four? It was Foles week three. Foles week three. I can, I'm sorry, I forgot. I should have. Uh, it's okay, Greg. I'll forgive you. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I was speaking of Simeon, and this is totally, almost totally off topic, but Simeon produced for me one of the most uh, tilting fantasy experiences ever. Uh, it was, I think it was a primetime game against the Colts last year, and um, we recommended him on the pod, and he came out and had a bunch of yards and a touchdown early on, and then he got hurt. And then Brock Osweiler came in and lit it up against the Colts. Mm-hmm. All of that production could have been Simeon's, but alas, that was the most tilting thing last year. I have a funny story about that Brock Osweiler performance. When um, the Scott Fishbowl was about to ramp up, we had a spot to give away, uh, mm-hmm. an entry to give away on the podcast, and I put together this uh, this trivia contest for the podcast, you know, asking some questions about me, about Sal, about the site, and then just some general quarterback trivia. And one of the questions I asked was which quarterback, you know, over the past however many seasons has two top 12 finishes without starting those games. And 
I knew that Kevin Hogan was the answer or, and what I found out was he, he wasn't the only answer that Brock Osweiler had also done it. So I'm sure that that game you're talking about last season, uh, where he replaced Semyon was, uh, yeah. Uh, that was one of those games where he ended up in the top 12 despite not starting the game, which is insane because it's Brock Osweiler. Unbelievable. Oh, God, Kevin Hogan. Oh, remember him against the Texans last year? Oh, my God. Yes, I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, that's a really cool article. I'll put the back to the AP evolution. We'll, we'll put that link in the show notes as well. Check that out, listeners. Um, I think my favorite part about it is that it, this is a great take. At the end, you be, I'm going to spoil it. I'm sorry. But you basically okay. recommend drafting a quarterback, at, recommend against drafting a quarterback at all in one QB leagues. Just you know, draft more running backs and wide receivers, and then before week one, pick up whoever's you know available on the waiver wire. But I'm going to do you one better, Denny. I'm going to say, why not go a step further and not draft any players whatsoever? <laughs> because draft day consultants can draft your team for you. Am I right? Oh, that's a good segue, Greg. I had to write it down, but I, I thought it was pretty good. Thank you. That's good stuff. Um, yes, and you're right. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with you now. Yes, absolutely, Greg. JeffDayConsultants.com uh, <laughs> is there for you and your fantasy football needs. No, we, uh, I'm sure if you follow me on Twitter um, that um, you know that I, along with Sal, run uh, JeffDayConsultants.com. Uh, this is our fifth season, uh, which is unbelievable. And uh, uh, Greg, of course, is is one of our uh, great consultants um, at DDC. Um, so basically, uh, you want you want me to give a rundown of what we do here? Yeah, tell tell the listeners a little bit of background on the service. You know how it started, or I guess maybe not how it started, but you know who's involved, what happens when people sign up, and yeah, give them give them the spiel. Sure. Yeah. So we have uh, a few different kinds of services. We have pre-draft consultation we have in draft consultation and we have season long consultation so the pre-draft is you know basically what it sounds like um we connect you with a consultant um we have a team of of superflex 2qb consultants whose expertise lies in that area and then we have dynasty consultants and then we have traditional redraft consultants so we 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 do our best uh it's sometimes hard and later in the summer but right now we can connect you with any of those um, uh, people in, in those different expertise and to talk about your draft strategy, you know, which players you, you want to target, uh, uh, what sort of team you want to put together. Um, uh, do you talk about your league, your league mates, uh, their tendencies, uh, your, the, the scoring system, the lineup requirements, you know. So just, just to get like a really good feel for a team uh, headed into the draft. And then so um, when you go to the draft, in draft consultation, um, it can be one of two things. One, some people just say, hey, can you draft for me? And and that's what we do. Uh, and we we just draft the team for the, the client, uh, whether they're unavailable uh, to draft or, or whatever it may be. Um, or we uh, virtually sit with them while they draft. Uh, we do it over Skype. Uh, G chat, text, uh, smoke signals. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> uh, those are difficult, but uh, we will do it. And, uh, and we, we, we say, you know, we go along with the draft and we say, here's what I would do in this position, you know? Um, uh, and if the client says, you know, no, thank you. I, I, I want this player instead, then that, then that's fine because you know what? Uh, it's your, it's your team. 
you know, and, and we, we keep that in mind at all times. It's your, it's your fantasy team. It's not ours. Uh, uh, so you do what, what you're going to do. We're just here to advise. And then, so finally, season long consultation is a, um, uh, you know, once or twice weekly, uh, chat with a consultant about waiver wire moves and trade proposals, uh, looking forward da- down the line to try to maybe pick up some, some players who might be, uh, very valuable later in the season. Uh, and, and that, that's one of our more popular services. Um, people, more people come back for that, for the season long service than any other service. So, um, it's very involved, but we enjoy it. Yeah. I'm, I think probably the most appealing thing about that season long service is the fact that you get analysts who are plugged in, you know, already just because we're writing articles, we're recording podcasts and, it takes a lot of the the really heavy lifting out of like week to week management on waivers, on setting your lineup, you know, avoiding bad matchups, finding good matchups. Because uh, honestly, like who has time for that? Like we're, we're the sick ones. Like right? we're the ones who who make the time for that week to week. But you know, regular people have regular lives and can't you know like to be really good at fantasy football. I think it is kind of all consuming. Like you kind of have to be on Twitter a lot. You have to be you know reading articles and listening to podcasts all the time. Mm-hmm. And to kind of, I mean, the, the ease of letting some of that stuff go, I, I imagine, is, is pretty great, um, especially because the rest of the people who aren't using DDC don't have that luxury whatsoever. So they don't have that, I guess, inside edge that you get from an analyst who is, who's thinking about this stuff all the time. It's, it's a lot of fun yeah. for me to do it, to be honest. Like, I really enjoy being a consultant because I really like playing fantasy, and it's one more way that I get to kind of do that. I get to see different league formats. Um some of the drafting experiences I've had have been really fun. Like I Skyped into uh, a draft with a guy who went to Las Vegas for uh, like a draft in some suite (laughs) with all of his buddies. And I think it put his friends on tilt because they saw this guy on the screen (laughs) and they're like, who is this guy? You brought in a ringer. And like, I'm not tooting my own horn, like saying that I'm a ringer necessarily, but just like the, the fun of that was, was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, that does that does sound cool. Uh, it is weird to be transported into a live draft room and uh, uh, and people are kind of staring at you like, what, who, who's who's the guy on the screen? <laughs> um, what what is like the weirdest or strangest league setup that you can remember having seen come through for a consultation? Because I think this is another part yeah. of the appeal is that if you play in a league that's odd, you know, whether it be roster or scoring or transaction based, like the people like us who play a lot, like are pretty good at, you know, deciphering that stuff and figuring out how to win through those weird rules. What, what's the weirdest one you've seen? It was in our first, uh, first season. And I, I took on a client who, whose league, uh, was first of all, it was like an office league with a bunch of novices and someone made the, the lineup setting so that it was the following. It was one quarterback, and six flex spots and that's it (laughs) and so and i'm and i mean wide receiver running back tight end flex right sure and so you know i had to like reconfigure my rankings completely you know uh to to try to figure out like how to maximize uh, you know potential points here with so many options and um and you know people were uh people were taking like multiple quarterbacks even though you could only start one <laughs> of course. and 
and, and you know just uh disastrous strategies and we ended up with you know this killer team it was it was a lot of fun just because um it was like an embarrassment of riches with that format you know what part of your own fantasy game do you think would benefit most from outside assistance denny if you had to you know turn the lens on yourself here uh, uh probably uh, uh tweeting uh, i need <laughs> i need consultation on how to tweet better <laughs> no um uh, I, you know, uh, I often chat with uh, Rich Rebar and JJ uh, about, you know, their strategies and outlooks on um, on roster construction because uh, it it tempers my um, desire to go for broke, and you know that that can that can work out. You know the 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 old saying like. If if you make a really volatile team, you're going to be wrong alone or right alone, you know. And when you're right alone, then you win. Uh, but if you're wrong alone, then it's a disaster. And uh, um, and so just 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 tempering that, um, you know, that desire is is something that uh, could probably could help me cr- create uh, a little more reliable high floor teams. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm pretty good at that. I'm a relatively conservative player, and it's actually what makes me, I think, bad at best ball formats for the most part. I love the the double ups that they have now, where mm-hmm. you just have to finish in the top half. I'm really good at that. Uh, but yeah, in terms of like identifying that stealing, sometimes like maybe I could use consult consultation from you on on that sort of stuff, Danny. Who knows? <laughs> I'll give you a discount. Oh, perfect. Right. I love it. Um, well. Yeah, that's all I got, man. Um, is there anything else you want to plug? Anything else you've been working on? Um, li- Living the Stream podcast is essentially, you guys yeah. got to be checking that out, of course. But uh, anything else you want to go over before we uh, end the show, Denny? Um, not particularly. I um, uh, just wanted to, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, but the the equity score report is uh, on draft, uh, draft Um and you can download it there. Uh, and I will have a, um, a a kicker column coming out uh, in the next, I want to say, three weeks. I have to see how some of these kicker competitions shake out before I can, you know, get uh, get my hands dirty with uh, with the kicker takes. But the people need their kicker takes, so I, I'm going to deliver. I've uh, had some pretty good success with kicker rankings in those Fantasy Pros accuracy contests, and yeah. you would be surprised at how many people i see you know how you can see people add you to lists on twitter i've yeah. gotten a lot of like added to top experts hyphen k yeah and, and like how many kicker questions i get week to week it's kind of absurd but i i mean what you said about tight ends earlier was was spot on like kicker is more predictable than tight end if you ask me it is it is it is it's an it, it is an easier more reliable position if if one position's got to go it's got to be tight end and also, but you're right, Greg, people pretend like they don't care about kicker, but people care about kicker, I'm telling you. Well, I care because it is, like, it's one of those things that's a skill-testing position in your fantasy lineup. Like, we talked about how tight end is kind of a crapshoot. Kicker is the opposite. Kicker is pretty simple, to be honest. Like, you want guys on good offenses, you want guys on teams that also maybe have good defenses. Like, there are a lot of little kind of tips and tricks you can look for to identify the teams who are going to end up kicking a lot of field goals. You know, bad, you know, red zone quarterbacks, but, you know, good offenses, good defenses, like high over-unders in the game. Like, there are ways to mine value from the position, and most people just ignore it. It's kind of silly. 
it's not luck. Like the kicker position is not luck. And I think that that's something that's totally misunderstood. I, I wrote once about um, the dismissal of the kicker position, I think has to do with the, the, the sort of like uh, masculinity that runs through. Yeah. Meathead uh, mentality. Fo- football. Yeah. Football circles. Like eh, it's a kicker, man, whatever. Um, we're going to stuff the kicker in the locker along with the guy who writes about it, you know, which, which was not nice, by the way. I don't, I didn't appreciate that. Not um, a whole lot of room in those lockers. No, no. I mean, yeah, I'm not 17. I mean, I gained a little weight <laughs> since then. So, um, <laughs> it messes so, up the hair too. Just, it's bad. It's a bad look all around. Yeah. So stop stuffing me in my life. That's, that's my point. Stop stuffing me in the locker. All right, Denny. Well, hey, man, thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, listeners, you can follow Denny at CDCarter13 on Twitter. Um, if you want to follow the site, uh, it's at 2QBs on Twitter, and you spell that out, T-W-O-Q-B-S. Our email address is spelled the same way. If you want to send us longer form questions uh, or you know ask questions about the guide or something, 2QBs at gmail.com. Um, please rate and review the podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already. Um, I've got a, a, an exciting new series that I'm not really ready to – unveil i'm just going to tease it right now um for the podcast that should be starting up pretty soon uh so keep your eyes peeled for that um otherwise thanks again for listening we'll catch you next time on the 2qb experience adios